I'll, I'll start us off here and I'll introduce myself to the group. My name is Adam Weigel. I'm the transit and parking manager for the city of Lawrence. And uh, what we have today for you all is, is walking through um, the transit facility project. We're at the stage where we have some initial concepts and are hoping to get some good feedback over the next um, few weeks and uh, be prepared to um, have something to go in front of city commission about mid-July. So um, I'll start walking through some of the background, kind of why we're even doing this project, how we got here, um, just to briefly get us on the same page on, on some of those details. So um, what you see on the screen here is, is some of the timeline. Uh, we've been um, operating since the year 2000. Um, about halfway, or about uh, a decade into that, we had been doing the majority of our transfers downtown near Mountain, Massachusetts. And because of some construction in that area, we needed to relocate. Um, you can see some of the variety of different places that were evaluated for relocation uh, downtown. And it was um, meant to be temporary while we, while we looked for a more permanent place for us to do majority of our transfers. So you can see short-term move to Ninth New Hampshire, looked at areas like the Santa Fe Depot and the 800 block of Vermont, and ultimately ended up at 700 block of Vermont after a lot of um, discussion and us needing a, a place to live, at least on a temporary basis. Now we are eight years past that, so um, we're, we're looking towards creating some more, more permanency moving forward. Um, there were a couple of studies done in 2014 and 2018 to look at the best place to locate a primary transit transfer facility. Um, both of those studies uh, really looked at the areas close to like 20, 21st in Iowa, 20th and Stewart, those are, are pretty nearby each other. In both cases that uh, just wasn't going to be very compatible for the neighborhoods next door to those. So um, in between those was sandwiched a federal tiger grant uh, application where we attempted to look at a large parking lot close to the KU Student Rec Center. Um, those tiger grants are, are pretty competitive, so we did not end up getting funded at that time. And then you can see uh, about the middle of last year in July of 2020, um, we signed an agreement with KU to move forward on primary facility on the southeast corner of Bob Billings and Crestline Drive. That's a property owned by the university. Um, it's an area that, that meets some of the criteria we were looking at in those 2014-2018 analysis as far as not being directly adjacent to neighborhoods and, and some of that. So uh, that is the site that we're looking at for the primary facility. In some of our early work, um, thinking about how routes might be redesigned to serve that facility, it became um, pretty clear that we still need some level of transit service downtown. Uh, there's a lot of people who live and work in that area. And it's a big generator of, of the ridership that we have. Um, so there, we are looking at less service downtown. We currently have eight routes that transfer down there. Um, through this project, we're planning on, on there still being room for five. We expect the number of routes to decrease, but there's still to be some need for, for some space. Um, 
So Tony, if we go to the next slide. And I guess I'll, I'll start by saying, we, you know, we've got about an hour and a half here. We're gonna try to run through some material here so we're all kind of on the same page, but we'll absolutely uh, should have plenty of time to go back to any slides that we see or you know, talk about specific locations, specific issues you all are seeing from your point of view. So I'm sorry that this will start with a lot of um, me and the consultant talking, but kind of want to get us on, on the same level playing field here. Um, so I wanted to note, we do have a project webpage stood up. This is where we are trying to funnel as much of the background information. And as we have meetings like this, um, these are being recorded so that we can post them after the fact and, and people can, can watch them if they weren't able to participate. Next slide. Timeline-wise, um, this calendar year is really spent on design of facility and design of what transit routes will look like to serve those facilities. Um, so all the way through December is, is um, once we get through this concept stage, the rest of the year will be spent refining that concept and addressing issues we hear today and, and as we move through the process. Um, we are, um, I guess one thing that I'll note that doesn't quite show up clear here is we're looking to get direction from City Commission on July 13th as far as which concepts to move forward with. So um, what we are today from you all and other meetings over the next few weeks will help us come to um, some compromise on what the concept might look like out at Bob Billington Crestline and what we might be looking at downtown. Um, as we get into 2022, that's when construction would, would begin. Our, our target date is to have things open and you know, serving those new routes by August of 2022. Um, we change all our routes just once per year, right before the KU academic calendar begins. Um, so that's the, the target we're looking for for both the building and facilities and routes. I won't go through this bullet by bullet, but um, just to illustrate some of the outreach we're trying to do, which we're trying to be as well-rounded as possible, I'm hearing from folks. So you see some of the, the prior info related to the earlier studies. Um, more recently, we've been trying to do direct outreach to neighborhoods, um, to downtown businesses. We, in some of the virtual things we did for downtown folks, we didn't hear quite as much um, in, in those meetings. So we, uh, we sent some staff out uh, last week and hopefully some of you on the call got, got some of the handouts for hoping to get some folks involved in today's meetings and, uh, and through email with us moving forward. Uh, there will be some other public meetings coming up um, and we have the additional one tonight. The public certainly welcome to come to PTAC. We are finalizing some details about some in-person options at the library next week. So if you'd like to have some FaceTime with us and we can be looking at paper drawings and talking through things, uh, writing issues on them, uh, we're trying to create space for that as well. And at this point, I'll um, hand it over to Tony Kellen. Tony is uh, from Wendell. Uh, Wendell is our architect and engineer uh, design firm who's helping us work through all the design work this calendar year. Um, so I'll turn it over to him and let him give most of the rest of this presentation. All right, thanks, Adam. Um, welcome, everybody. Um, I wanted to do, uh, we were there in April 
and spent four days. We had uh, nine stakeholder meetings, three client meetings, and then some follow-up meetings. We have a what we call immersion intensive design process. And what we wanted to do here is just show you some of the main topics of concern or interest that came up from folks that we heard a lot about. Um, for first the Bob Billings Crestline multimodal site, we heard a lot of comments about the traffic there on Bob Billings and Crestline, uh, safe movement of pedestrians on and off the site. Um, a lot of concern for passenger amenities, Wi-Fi, charging stations, um, you know, drinking fountains, bike facilities, um, being screened and protected from the elements. Uh, we heard from the bus operators about the amenities that they needed, restrooms, grab-and-go food items, um, limited convenience type things. We heard from the maintenance staff, uh, some concerns that we have things available for them so that they could quickly turn vehicles around that had just minor little issues in service to keep the service convenient for the riders. Um, and then just overall design concept, having a site that's sustainable and having some building elements such as solar, uh, bioswales, and using the natural environment for water and site controls. And then we heard from the neighborhood concerns about making sure that our designs are done in such a way where the light pollution or, or extra light noise and loitering is addressed um, for the overall project. And then of course we had um, interaction with Greyhound and the sh shuttle services and keeping in mind that we wanna make sure that other services can access um, the site and you know share the uses and connect people. Uh, so connectivity, a big important part. For downtown, the primary topics of interest are really where the parking, um, what's going to happen, you know, where is the site going to be? Um, can we, you know, do something that's more safe and welcoming that, that fits with the downtown character uh, opposed to what we have today? Um, concerns about passenger amenities, seating, um, information, bike facilities, you know, shelters and awnings that would protect from the elements. Um, and from the downtown community as well, consideration of how can we do this so that we can take into consideration future development of downtown parking lots um, based on the options that we looked at. And then we also heard a lot about the farmer's market uh, downtown. So we're gonna jump right into the concepts. Um, this is Bob Billings and Crestline. And in the center of the picture, can you see my cursor moving folks? Can you see that? Yes. You can. Okay. All right. Thank you. So um, those of you that are familiar with this property, it's a, it's a sloping property. It slopes from the hillside and the trees down to the corner. So we have three options that we're showing today. Um, again, they involve uh, basic project requirements. We have 10 bus bays. We have two bays for uh, commuter buses. We have some parking for drop-off employee um, passenger pickup and drop off. We have space included for bicycle racks, bicycle lockers. And then we have a multimodal facility, which is the building where your um, information um, meeting rooms, uh, places for supervisors, those types of things are included. Restrooms um, for the uh, passengers. And so that's your, the primary focus. You're gonna see this same 10 bus bays and two other bays on all three of these concepts. Um, 
we have what's called a sawtooth configuration. So if you look at, it uh, looks like a tooth of a saw, essentially what customers can take from this is that any bus can come in and leave from any slot at any time without having inter interference from any of the other routes. So it gives you the maximum flexibility um, to be able to have routes pull in and out, routes always predictably in the same spot. And uh, you know, there's information signage for that as well. Um, main advantages of, of this type of uh, uh, option is that there's a close proximity between the vehicle access points and the multimodal facility, that being that area over here. Um, riders can stay on this platform. They don't have to leave the platform for transfers. Um, and the multimodal facility is a visual focal point from this corner here. Um, let's uh, go to option two. Option two is a slightly different variation on option one. So all the project requirements stay the same. We move the multimodal facility from here to this location. We change how the parking came in. In the previous area, the parking was over here between the bioswale. Now we move it over next to these uh, buildings. And we have in option one, we have a long drive for the buses to exit this way. And they can also enter and exit here. In option two, the buses can enter and exit here, but they also have a second option to exit onto Bob Billings. Um, we're also looking at an option that's not shown today that potentially put the facility here uh, in between the parking lot and the buses. Again, same project requirements, same elements inside the facility, same uh, amenities, bicycle racks, uh, locker area, um, same, same things. For option three, uh, we take the facility and we, we widen this sawtooth island. So quite a bit more expansive uh, concrete here, the same uh, configuration of buses around the, with a sawtooth, um, but we put the facility in the center of the island. The advantage of that is, is that uh, bus operators and uh, patrons, you know, bus passengers can access that facility right off the island without going off the pad. Um, over to here or over to here. Um, it does create a little more cost though with having this big island here. And it also makes it harder to cover the entire island with, uh, you know, covering from the weather because it's so wide. And so in this configuration, we have canopy that is on just above the buses on each side. And um, let's see. So we'll just keep going through. We In all the options, we have vehicle traffic separated from uh, bus traffic. That's really important to us. And we try to have good pedestrian circulation in a safe way. With that, we'll go to the um, downtown options. And again, we can come back and take a look at any slide later. The downtown option, this is uh, Vermont between 8th and 9th. Um, what we're doing here is we're removing the parking on the street and we're removing the parking on this part of the lot and putting another sawtooth design. So we have five buses. We have shelter covering over the entry door of every vehicle if you're standing there waiting. And if the, for inclement weather, we have shelters available also in the design. That's these yellow boxes. 
we have a driver amenity area down on the bottom and we have a park community green space mini park type green space here that is meant to be a connection to downtown for the safety of the bicyclists we transition the bike cycle track behind the bus pad and go around the back and then we transition them back here so that we don't have conflicts in the roadway with buses pulling in and pulling out. And again, with the sawtooth, any of these buses can pull into their spot or pull out of their spot independent of the others. So it gives you the, the maximum flexibility. And as, as customers, as bus patrons, you always know uh, where that bus is gonna be. Um, it's not first in, you know, first out in, in a situation where you don't have sawtooth. So, um, the impacts of this downtown, we have 18 metered spaces and 40 parking lot spaces that are taken in this design. And that's a net loss of 58 uh, spots. Um, we say 17 trees may be better than saying tree loss. We say trees impacted because in this design, we will try to add back trees, save trees where we can. Um, and then on the south here, we have this parking lot access we make that right in and right out only. And then we have an improved access down here for uh, uh, parking. Let's see, other advantages. Um, we see the green space as an advantage, the safer cycle track as an advantage. Um, we have parallel parking maintained on this side of the street. And we're gonna pull up a cross section um, of what that looks like. So essentially you have your cycle track, you have a 27 foot 10 inch, so fairly, you know, fairly substantial, plenty of walking room. Um, one of the disadvantages of this is we do share the city sidewalk, although we think it's big enough that um, it provides um, just fine for both bus patrons and uh, citizens who would be just walking on that sidewalk. The buses are in at an angle, we maintain the northbound lane, the southbound lane, and the middle turn lane stays, and we keep the parallel parking lane. So that's what we're referring to as um, downtown option 1A. We have a variation on that option, but before we get into that, I'm gonna let uh, Adam talk a little bit about the parking impacts on that design. Yeah, so um, we're, still, we're still gathering data on this, but we have some new tools at our disposal from some new parking technology in place that lets us look at parking utilization and occupancy throughout the day at a variety of places. So we're, we're trying to characterize that um, so we can see the impact on parking for the various options downtown. Um, so in this case, you see off to the left, there's a black dotted line around the parking spaces that would be lost. And We've tried to characterize those two different types of spaces in the different bar graphs you see. So one of the things that certainly jumps out to us as staff is um, there are a number of 10 hour long-term metered spaces along the street that are kind of in the pink color. And those correspond to the pink bar graph that you see, and you see really high utilization of those. So um, in the parking lot itself, where there's a lot of two hour free spaces, uh, you see, you know, some room for, for capacity still. Those aren't used um, with the data we've gathered so far. They don't show to be used at 
as high a percentage as those long-term spaces. So that's certainly something we know we need to address. I don't think we can just remove those long-term spaces without figuring out how to add them back in based on the usage we're seeing. So um, under this option, it could be that some of the two-hour spaces in the lot get converted to long-term. Um, there's some short-term metered on the west side of the street, um, the west side of Vermont that could be long-term instead. So uh, I guess when it comes to parking, that's just something that, that stood out to us as a need that we know we need to fill. Uh, and we'll, we'll look at similar kind of bar graphs and some of the other options and um, happy to talk more about that when, when we get through this material. So then we have a second option for Vermont between 8th and 9th. And in this option, the, really the only thing that changes is that we add diagonal parking over here on the side. So same uh, project requirements, same number of shelters, slots. Just again, we're just showing um, how we can put back some of that parking on the other side of the street um, to have a net loss of 42. And let's go to a cross section. So essentially we lose a little bit of room. We lose five feet on the island here um, from that pedestrian sidewalk island, um, still adequate. And we've designed facilities that have this uh, type of space. We'd, we'd rather probably see the 27 feet, 10 inches actually, but this would allow some parking to come back. Um, some of our previous meetings, we've heard concerns about um, introducing diagonal parking on, on the street outside of Massachusetts. So we maintain a southbound and a northbound driving lane. Um, we lose that center turn lane, but we maintain the same cycle track and all of the same uh, circulation. So that just gives you a, a view of that. And because we're putting some parking back, we have a little less parking impact. Yeah, and the, the only other thing I would note, which I alluded to on the last slide is um, now looking at those blue spaces, they're the two hour meters on the west side of Vermont. Uh, you can just see not, not quite as much utilization there, but we would still have the, uh, the concern about the, the complete loss of 10 hour meters and how we are able to reintroduce some long-term spaces. Okay, and now we go to option two of the three options, which is Vermont down the street from between 10th and 11th. And in this option, in order to be able to get the uh, project design requirements met with the five sawtooth bays, we really have no option but to um, take almost the entire parking lot. We are able to add back some uh, parallel parking behind for businesses. Um, but again, we end up with uh, a net loss of six metered spaces and 49 parking lot spaces. We have a little less impact on the number of trees, but um, we have a little bit more community green space incorporated into the island. The, the bus driver amenity is more convenient um, for the bus operators. Um, businesses could actually gain a dedicated um, parking and loading area behind in the alley that hasn't been done anywhere yet. Um, so that would be a new concept. Um, some of the negatives or uh, disadvantages is that we end up having a shared use between buses and cars or automobiles. Um, as transit and transportation planners, we 
don't like to mix those two if we don't have to, but in this case, we have to. Um, so that's our second option. Same program requirements, five slots, same covered canopies, same bus shelter arrangement uh, for people to be able to wait out of the elements. Option two has some parking uh, impacts that Adam is gonna talk about again as well. Sure, I won't get too deep into this, but I'll just note the trend that you see in this particular lot. Um, you can see utilization not, not real high. I mean, we have a pretty high impact taking over the entire parking lot, but you see um, not much utilization through the data we have so far through kind of early afternoon. It picks up a little bit towards the evening. So just another piece of information we'll, we'll use to, in our consideration. And our last option is a New Hampshire between 8th and 9th. Um, again, same project requirements as far as the number of locations for buses, same driver amenity, shelters, uh, canopies. Um, we have a loss of four metered spaces and 86 parking lot spaces. Um, some of the disadvantages um, is that there's a, there's a quite a grade change between New Hampshire and the lot. And in order to have the buses be able to pull in and out without bottoming out in the center, which we refer to as breakover angle, um, we have to do a lot of uh, regrading work. Um, pedestrians have to cross the bus traffic to access the station for Massachusetts Street, and there's a limited space, you know, availability for green space. Um, advantages similar to the second option: the station activities removed from the street businesses get a new dedicated parking area behind again a new concept um, and proximity and connection to Massachusetts Street is not as good as the other options with that I think um, we can look at the parking impacts there again as well and in this case you can see I mean a lot a lot more spaces in this lot I think we're up around 90 spaces and you see a lot higher utilization. So I think that would be a concern with this one is, is how, uh, how those patterns would change and the impact on nearby properties there. And then I can run through this, Tony. So I just wanted to um, give the group an idea of kind of where we're at leading up to that uh, commission meeting where we, we really do need to make um, some decisions on where we move forward beyond concept plans. So we've got our um, meetings today. Uh, there is public transit advisory committee on this upcoming Monday. Um, we'll go back to the Multimodal Transportation Commission as well as the Public Transit Advisory Committee in early July. Um, after we've had some time to hear what people are saying, um, make some revisions to concepts if needed. Uh, those meetings will be bringing back concepts that should be pretty close to the final ones that we'll look at. Something that doesn't show up here that I alluded to in an early slide is we are trying next week, so the week of the 14th, we're trying to add in some in-person, uh, you know, look at maps together sort of interactions at the public library. So as soon as we can get some details finalized on that, I'll get that info out. I'm happy to talk more with any of you there if that works for you. And I believe that's the end of our 
content. So I'll invite, I know, sorry, we've been talking straight through this, but happy to, um, at this point, um, we don't have to be too formal if you want to unmute yourself and have us go back to a specific slide or if you've got a specific concern you want to um, mention. Start, 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 Hello. Hello. I think we got Alexander. Um, if you're connected by phone, we're having audio. They're working with two devices, but sometimes one of them needs muted in order for the other to. Okay. Yep. Now you're good, I think. I think you got it. Hello. Am I, am I being heard? You are. Okay. This is Brad Parsons, Mark Stuhlers, 817 Mass. Great. Yeah, go ahead, Brad. Sorry, we're cutting in and out. Yeah, we, we can hear you all right, so. Okay, uh, good, good, thank you. Obviously, looking forward to the in-person meetings. A um, couple of basic questions. Uh, what, as of now, best available information, what's the occupancy percentage of these large vehicles and how long are these large vehicles in feet? So our, um, we have a, a mixed fleet. Our largest vehicles are uh, 40 feet long. Um, we also use down to uh, what they call a cutaway vehicle, which is about 25 feet. So I think we've got 25 feet, 30 feet, and 40 feet vehicles um, in the fleet. As far as um, occupancy goes, it, it varies by trip and by time of day. I guess a couple of things that might be useful to get towards that is um, uh, in a non-COVID year, we get about uh, 3 million rides a year. Uh, we get about 2,000 boardings a day in the downtown area. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful to get it. That may be the question. The, thank you. Um, my completely unscientific observation is these large vehicles are obviously, wherever they're at, a, a congestion issue especially in downtown and all the plans. Uh, and from a, again, non-scientific, every time I see a bus, I have lately at least been trying to observe number of riders per bus. And I do appreciate your 3 million total riders and so on. But just a very basic backtracking type question is why are these immensely sized vehicles necessary when it sure appears to me, with very few exceptions, there's, oh, five, eight, ten people on a bus, uh, especially in Plan 3, as he noted, the uh, bottoming out is caused by the length of the vehicle and all these parking issues and so on and parking spaces being taken are, are largely caused by these immense size vehicles. Uh, obvious turning radius issues and, you know, other things that go with driving a vehicle 40 feet in length. Uh, don't know if further study is necessary to answer those questions. 
just in general, why why are we looking or why are we using such large vehicles that are primarily not close to fully occupied? Yeah, probably the, the best I can offer you is we do have, have data on ridership, you know, throughout the day and on different routes and, and different trips. There, there are um, times of day when, when the vehicles do need that capacity. It might not be every trip of the day. There's, there's always, um, you kind of ramp up in the morning and ramp down in the evening is, is typical. Uh -huh. uh, we certainly, I mean, it's, it's a good point of, you know, we, we, need, we want to be matching our fleet to our needs. So that's certainly something to keep an eye on to see if uh, we need to buy 40 foot vehicles in the future for buying more 30. Um, but, but we need to plan on the space for, uh, for that max length so that we don't get in trouble in the future. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that's kind of from a planning perspective how we look at it. Well, here's a question. How much of the uh, occupancy is uh, associated with the university? I mean, how many of the people who ride the buses in Lawrence are being dropped off on campus or near campus? I have those numbers right in front of me. I can say that from past numbers, it's. Uh, and Margaret is on the call, she can correct me, but I believe we're roughly kind of two thirds, one third. I think there's a, of that 3 million rides per year, a couple million university, about a million city. Does that sound roughly correct, Margaret? Yes, that is correct. Um, the highest ridership is on the routes that cross campus, but a significant amount of those are on routes 10 and 11 that also reach the downtown area. And some of the higher ridership routes on city routes are six and seven, which also reach the downtown area. Okay, Brad, again, from, from Mark's, um, a very, again, a, a very basic question. I think everybody here will agree that the 800 block of Massachusetts Street is probably one of the most busy congested areas in the city of Lawrence on a consistent basis. Uh, why would we be even thinking of that as a good place to put something like this, which is occupying very valuable space with large vehicles, just a large undertaking in every manner why, why would this even be a logical place to start looking when there are other areas in the general downtown area that would be so much really just more intelligent? And uh, I mean, it just seems so basic. I, I feel like I must be missing something. So I need to, I need to have somebody explain to me why the hottest spot in town would be a good place for something as a bus hub? I think from a designer perspective, Brad, I appreciate your comments. Um, this type of a layout, um, we've done this type of design in a number of commercial uh, downtown districts. Um, it lends itself really well to bus operations. And frankly, you, I think you want your uh, public transportation presence in the core of the downtown area to not necessarily take away from that area, but to complement it. 
<clears throat> this actually has the least amount of parking impacts really. Uh, and it also, you know, provides the amount of length that's needed uh, to efficiently, you know, get your vehicles in and out of downtown on their regular pulses. Um, we think long-term we'll, when we design this, um, there, there is some consideration for uh, commercial development on that lot between 8th and 9th and anything that we would design would be done in such a way where you could actually go up vertical in that location. But we've, we, we do a lot of these designs around the country. We've done probably 50 intermodal sites like this in the last 20 years. And um, so, yeah, you know, parking is always a concern, um, but we think that there's ways to mitigate that. Well, aesthetics is a concern. Uh, I've spent 50 years in and around this lot, and it is the buses that are down at New Hampshire Street right now, sometimes as much as, you know, eight to 10 vehicles are, are just idling. Uh, it, it's a, a bad sound, a bad odor. Uh, it, it's just generally not attractive. Uh, what What is wrong with the location of the New Hampshire Street? The library stuff. So I can speak to some of the challenges there. Um, some of the challenges there were, you know, we're directly in front of businesses kind of occupying that same sidewalk space. Um, that was one of the intents of looking at Options that were adjacent to parking lots is to create a little, little more buffer and room uh, for, for the type of canopies and seating that, that we're looking for to create a, a good aesthetic environment. Um, so that uh, the kind of safety and space that we have down at our current Vermont Street is, uh, is not a good long-term option if we want transit to improve, to attract more riders, to be uh, kind of a, a real benefit to people coming downtown, um, not only in, in cars. Has anybody studied the uh, west side of South Park down by the courthouse? I mean, there's, there's areas, I guess, that would take a little green space versus taking very, very valuable parking spaces. It, it, it you guys, I don't know what amount of time you've spent down here trying to park, uh, trying to help customers not leave downtown because of parking. And it, it is very, uh, I, I don't think it sounds right to locate a, a bus depot, a bus hub in an area where we're already starved for space. Your blue graph showed numbers that I don't know what day of the week or if that's an average or how your how your numbers came up to the low. 50s, 60s at busy. Yeah, uh, like, for example, Saturdays and Google Earth will show you this. Uh, 100%. It's 100% full with probably nine to 11 cars at least bumper to bumper driving around waiting for somebody to pull out and you've got maximum occupancy in that at 67 percent 
that that is uh, not yeah not 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 correct at all on a at least on a given day that might be a monday afternoon or wednesday afternoon maybe but yeah that's not that's not reality it it, it's just not um there's there it's just not it's just not wise the the vermont street 10-hour parking is very important uh the aesthetics of this lot I, i i i just have to believe that there's so much less important real estate that could be used in two to three blocks walking. I still, in my mind, especially in other metropolitan areas, would be considered uh, no problem, you know, to walk to get to the the downtown area, probably be considered part of the downtown area. So we, I'm sure a proponent to uh, search very, very hard for anything other than the back of uh, the 800 block on Vermont. It just, uh, it, it doesn't fit. I, I do appreciate those comments. Um, so we'll, we, we've got um, a lot more to go and, and certainly expect to hear more. Um, more concerns. So we, we appreciate that and, and I'm not discounting it at all. Uh, we'll continue, uh, you know, briefly about the parking. It's it's about 10 days worth in May of this year. So we'll we'll continue to gather more um, to, to try to see a more well-rounded picture of that. Um, sure, that. sure. And, and that's, that, that would, uh, again, with my experience in downtown, uh, I would say that would be at the, the very minimum side if a true study needs to be done to see the other side of that uh in and around holidays saturdays in november and december uh i mean it would be a hundred percent from 10 a.m on and then their bars and restaurants take over and it's right back to that so Adam, do we want to um, look at other responses that are coming in the chat as well? Um, or are you just saving those? There's, um... Um, thanks for drawing my attention to that. Um, Catherine, I see your, your comments in here. Did, we're, we're happy to just record that. Do you, do you want to speak at all? And if not, that's okay. We can, um, if, if others have, have thoughts, happy to hear from you all as well. Diane, did you want to make some comments? I do. Hi, this is Diane Burke. I own... Eagles Rest at 815 Massachusetts Street. Um, My concern is really um, about the impacts to all of the businesses there on our ability to receive freight. Have you guys, you accounted for that on the other plans, um, but I frequently receive couches uh, large items out on the street 
that we uh, bring into our store. Um, and this is, both of those plans that you have are terrible for me. They are going to create a situation where I'm actually unable to do that, where I would have to go blocks away to and walk a couch to my back door. So have you in, in a, a number of the restaurants do the same thing uh, where they receive their food in the mornings from Cisco or whatever? Um, have you accounted for that whatsoever? That's my question. Diane, can you give us uh, an idea of, of uh, when you receive freight, is it, do they typically come into the lot, kind of that northeast corner where there's kind of a back-end area, or are they out on the street in the center lane? I think you're still muted. Diane, you're muted. Adjustment. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, you know, if we maintain that center turn lane, we were, we received feedback that that is used for deliveries, but also there's still access to that parking lot in order to uh, do those same deliveries um, back a house. I'm back if you can hear me. Yes. So it, it depends on the skill level of the truck driver, but, um, you know, sometimes we receive things out in the center lane on Vermont Street, which we would then have to walk around new buses and traffic through the north end of the parking lot. Is that driveway still staying there? Yes. Um, it just, it seems really like, I'm, I'm wondering if you have studied that. It seems um, incredibly difficult for us if you decide to put all of that extra traffic there. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out is right across the street um, is Jim Grimes uh, Salon and also a residence, which is a historic place. And have you considered uh, that as well in the impacts to um, a historic site in Lawrence. It is registered. That's it. That's my question. Yeah. I think as designers, uh, Diane, we heard about the uh, use of the center turn lane for deliveries. And so I think, you know, option 1A is probably favored because of that. Also, we heard some concerns about introducing diagonal parking. We put that option out there because it could uh, shift some of the parking impact, but we have maintained access on both ends of that lot for back of house operations. And so, yes, we absolutely have considered that. And I don't think we have any impact on that. Um, we are replacing a bus island uh, with parallel parking and you know the diagonal parking in that lot so I'm not sure that the impact of trying to go from the center lane to, you know, across that parking lot is any different, whether it's whether we're designing a bus island there or whether or not we have parallel and diagonal parking on the lot. 
Um, so I, I feel like those impacts are um, not going to be there. As far as designers, we're going to design. Can I interrupt um, you for yes, just a sec? Sure. I, I feel like the impacts will for sure be there for me. And um, that if you do put this bus transfer station on the 800 block of Vermont, that it will dramatically impact my ability to run my very lovely furniture store downtown. And it's somewhat of a downtown institution at this point. Um, I will be forced to move away from downtown. Um, and that would be sad for us. So, and I'll, I'll be repeating this again at the public meeting, but it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a hard place for all the reasons that Mark said, you know, everyone on the street is upset about it. It's, it's a hard place to put it. Is there a delay? That's all I have to say. Oh, no, I, I don't know as a designer, it's appropriate for me to, you know, respond. Yeah. You know, that's really a city policy discussion. As designers, we've been asked to look at locations and, and look at designs. Okay. I will say that what we're going to put there, if it is put in this particular location, is um, we like to do things that complement the downtown. So I know that might be hard for people to envision. We've done a lot of these, but we think we can build something that will complement that downtown yeah. area. Well, it's it's a it's not a good site for anybody who's there, and I can see it being lovely in other places, but it's it's the impacts to that site are not good. And I'll can you repeat when the public meeting is this evening? I'm not sure that any information was given on the time or the location for that. Sure, it's from, it's from 6 to 7.30 tonight. It's on the uh, project website. You can um, register the link. I can also put that link in the chat. Oh, so that's just the Zoom meeting like this? Correct. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate your information. Thank you, Diane. I'll add, maybe just repeat, um, Diane, we are still, we're finalizing some in-person ideas next week at the library. Just need to tighten up some details to get that out, but um, there's some days times still to come for that. Okay, okay, thank you. But would that be the June 14th? So June 14th is our public transit advisory committee. Um, those those meetings follow kind of typical city advisory committee right now, or which are. Um, you, you can come in person. We're really encouraging Zoom if you have the technology for it. Uh, we have we have a couple of staff in the city commission room to accommodate um, people without access to technology. Uh, so, you're, so you're welcome to join us there um, as well. Okay, so there will be an announcement for an actual public meeting then at the library. Still to come. Yes, correct. Okay. And I, I should clarify, it'll be a uh, like a tabling event. So we'll be there with all this information. It'll be come and go. I mean, we're happy to talk with you and, and look at things and write um, write down feedback and notes on concepts and that sort of thing. But we won't necessarily have like a formal presentation. Uh, like 
today. What are our thoughts do we have from the group? And we got a number of people on the call. I see one other note in chat from Steve. Does Steve, do you want to speak to that? Or if not, we can just record, record that comment. I don't know that I, I really need to say much more other than I appreciate everyone's concerns and um, understand them, but, you know, uh, on the whole, it seems like the location proposed between 8th and 9th on Vermont does make a lot of sense, keeps a lot of the parking that's there now, doesn't change the alley uh, or the service access to businesses from what it is now. And, um, um, you know, uh, seems to be the location that would best serve all of the downtown businesses uh, since it is close to the center of downtown. Uh, my concerns would be more related to traffic flow in and out. I, I'm, I believe most of the bus traffic probably turns north at 9th and Vermont now to go to the current location in front of the library, but uh, I'm not real familiar with it, so I'm not sure if that's true. M my concern would be about that intersection and if it's going to increase the traffic or if it's just going to, um, if it's just something that could be improved. Uh, I think that might be worth taking a look at because uh, if I remember right, as you go downtown, there's kind of a jog there or the lanes aren't clearly aligned with each other or the, the future left turn lane at, at eastbound 9th Street onto Mass. Um, you know, getting in the right lane so you know when you're going to go straight or turn right or turn left all may be things that could be clarified somehow. So those are my main thoughts. I have some questions on, um, we have many elderly patients across that do cross that street. What are you doing for handicap spaces? What's your plan for that? Tony, mm -hmm. yeah. can you go to the parking? Or are we talking about this block, Michelle? 800 block? For the 800 block. Tony, can you get one of the parking maps with the dots on it? So the accessible spaces uh, in the lot on the east side of the street are the, I guess they're kind of blue dots towards the eastern side. For the accessible right, spaces. we're on the west side of Vermont. Sure. Um, and I apologize, are there, are there some accessible spaces on the west side as well that you're concerned about, west side of Vermont? I don't, I don't think there are. So I guess, um, I guess my, my initial thought is that, that people 
parking in um, accessible stalls or using that, that lot um, and then crossing the street over to the west side would continue to do so and use the uh, tabletop crosswalk that was proposed about mid-block in order to, uh, to get over there safely. Where is that on your... And so that's, so they would be just walking across the street through the buses? Correct, that's shown as, that would be like an open platform sidewalk area there. And then they're, so how high are those curves? They're walking up over the curb, across, down the curb, across the street, and then up over the curb again? No, this would be a, an accessible pathway that fully meets ADA standards. Tabletop just means it's okay. visual. Yeah, visually, you're going to get some warning signs on the street. Um, and um, it's raised just ever so slightly in order to um, slow the traffic down. Not a curb. So, Does right. that go clear through to the lot? Um, no, it would go, it would transition up onto that platform uh, for the bus island. So it won't go through to the lot where they're having to park now instead of parking on the street where they. Um, I think, yes. I mean, I think we're showing a cycle track behind there, but obviously when we get into final design and, and we have to accommodate that, yes, we would absolutely um, make sure that there's safe paths of travel for um, ADA passengers and customers that are non-bus related. Um, that would all be taken into the consideration of the design. Okay. Um, to a little bit ago, somebody mentioned that there was the option to uh, go up here in this lot, that that was something that was going to be looked in or an option to grow up here. A few years ago, somebody had proposed an option to grow up in this lot, and it was turned down by the city. I don't remember who that was, but um, has somebody proposed that again now, or I'm not sure why that would be an option, why is that being proposed along with this proposal as an option to go up when it was already put just, aside before? Yeah, just to be just to be clear, Michelle, we have not heard about any option that would do that. But as designers, we have a national practice. We build these facilities in 38 states. So with our national practice, we always want to keep in mind we don't know the future. But we don't, you know, we don't want to preclude uh, that from potentially happening. I mean, 20 years from now, 30 years, you know, whatever. But no, we have not heard that from anybody. We added that just because we felt it was prudent to, to say that, you know, should policies change and downtown want to go up and do a combination of parking, uh, residential, you know, whatever the situation could be in the future, we don't want to build something that will stand in the way of that. Well, I'll add to that, Michelle. I think we also, um, there's a concurrent, the, uh, the downtown master plan has been, process has been going on. And that, that plan just generally talks about potential redevelopment of parking lot sites. So there's not anything specific in the works, but we just wanted to be thoughtful if there was, if there was ever a push to um, want to develop something on the lot that, like Tony said, we wouldn't uh, build in a way that it would prevent that. Has anybody done a study over by the Borders building 
um, that parking lot or is that just privately owned or? So we, we looked at all the city owned lots along Vermont and New Hampshire. There's one across the street from that border site um, on the west side of the street. It is, uh, it has similar challenges to the one that was shown tonight, option uh, three, um, three downtown, which or four, sorry, the one at 800 block of New Hampshire. There's some, there's a lot of slope difference between the street and that, the parking lot there um, that just creates some challenges. On the border side of that street, that property is privately owned. So we, we didn't take a close look at things where we'd have to acquire private property. And I know there's been on and off discussion about development of that site and grocery store and different things. So we, um, with the timing of this project, that, that exploration just didn't go, go too much farther. You know, in our, in our building there across Vermont Street, our office alone, we see between 90 to 120 people a day just coming in and out of our office. That's not including Dobbins and Letourneau's office there. Um, so upwards of 200 and some people coming in and out of that side of our building every day who are utilizing that parking on Vermont Street and the parking lot. That's not including all the businesses, the, the Acme, Jewelry Store, Papa Kino, all those businesses along that road. And people have already taken, because of COVID, have already taken the parking spots on Mass Street for eating outside, which I don't see going away. So there's so little parking and, and you do drive around and drive around and drive around. And this, the study for the parking spots, since you went to the, the um, metered parking, you know, where you can dial in for paying for parking or whatever that system is, has been taken during COVID. So I don't know that that's really realistic of a true um, downtown parking scene where everybody's really getting out and really parking. I mean, people are still a little fearful of going out. People aren't going out as much as they were. There are still some empty spots downtown of businesses that have gone out of business. So I don't know that we are really getting a true picture of how badly we need parking downtown. But our business alone, we desperately need parking in that lot and along the street. And we have patients who are constantly crossing that street. In addition, buses have never been a beautiful sight, have never bought, brought beauty to any place in a city, not even electric buses. So I don't know how, how pretty you can make them or how, how pretty you can make the bus stop itself. Buses are never pretty. So I don't know that we want to take a prime spot there in downtown Lawrence and, and put buses. And if you look up down by the, the library, it's not the prettiest place to go right now. And I can see wanting to move the buses from that spot because of everything that it has been brought to that spot from I think having the buses right across from there. I could be wrong. Um, I don't really wanna bring it to this block. Um, I don't know, I, I don't want the bus, I, I would, I think we need to find a different spot, maybe maybe not anywhere on, on uh, Vermont Street. 
maybe we do need to go to South Park and maybe take some, a little bit of the green space in our downtown that is close to downtown. Maybe we do need to take some of the green space and look at that a little closer. But those are my two cents worth. Tony, uh, this is Steve Scannell. If I could add a couple of comments. Sure. I'm just here to listen. Okay. Uh, so for you, Adam, uh, Gary, um, uh, first to Michelle's comments, I'm, I'm one of those people that occasionally makes trips to her uh, uh, Thank you. Uh, dentist office. And, and uh, for what it's worth, uh, I've never actually had a problem finding parking across the street either on the street or in the lot. Uh, and granted, there will be a loss of parking here. Um, so that'll make it a little tighter. But, it, but um, again, I, I think that would be manageable. And when you look at the overall pros and cons, again, I just wanna say that this location makes sense. But I did have a couple of other questions. Um, are the number, uh, are the, the five bus transfer locations truly needed? Or could you manage it with four or perhaps even three? Um, and, and the number of ride share or ride hail uh, uh, temporary parking spots really needed, or could they be reduced from what I think is four to three or perhaps only two uh, with the idea that you could shorten the impact along Vermont and maybe restore some of the parking to the lot uh, at the north end of the lot and move the entry into the lot further south or, or there, there are other ways to do it. Um, so that's one comment that I'd ask you to, to maybe speak to, uh, but, but first let me just share a couple other thoughts. Um, uh, one would be to perhaps move the uh, driver amenity facility Say if you go with only four transfer stations or three, you know, somewhere more in the middle between them, uh, maybe more along the street rather than uh, along the back. And, and then move the shelters so that they're kind of similar to another option I saw somewhere that showed them sharing the overhang with the bus. So you don't have to go from the shelter out into the weather, then into the overhang, then into the bus and put the pedestrian sidewalk along the east side of that island, right next to the bike lane, so that there isn't any crossover between people trying to be a pedestrian and people waiting to get on a bus. Um, I, I think that might be worth doing. And then also add more green space all along Vermont, maybe at the south, the middle and uh, the north ends, um, so that there is more landscaping and it's not quite as you know, as, as much hardscape. So th those are kind of my comments as a whole. So I'll, I'll listen now. Thanks for that. Thanks for that, Steve. I'll, I'll address a couple of things you started with. So um, <clears throat> Wendell did get the direction to uh, plan for five bus bays downtown. We, um, like I mentioned, we are doing route redesign study this year. So final routes for when this would go into effect are not uh, finalized. But we did, um, you know, just look at our route structure, think about where we get ridership and, and what routes make sense to 
remain in the downtown area and not shift over to the primary facility um, at Bob Billings and Crestline and, and settled on five as being a likely um, uh, number that we would want the ability to transfer, um, have it be a, a pulse transfer, they call it. So a transfer that happens all at once. Um, you know, we've got, we'll, we'll, with route redesign, we'll probably always have a route that runs the length of the Sixth Street corridor, which then serves downtown. Um, access to North Lawrence, uh, access between downtown and university, um, headed out east, you know, to Venture Park, um, shelter out there. The, those types of routes are un unlikely to um, make sense for us to take away from downtown and put them at the, the primary facility. So um, without those final routes being firmed up, that's, that's still kind of how we came to that, that five number. Um, now, things can be accomplished with scheduling, right? So, I mean, operationally, we could choose that if we still want five routes downtown, they don't have to meet up. You know, you get off one bus and then have to wait 20 minutes or 30 minutes or longer for uh, your connection to be made. So if we only had three slots, we could schedule in a way that we could accommodate that. We just think from an operational perspective that would make transit less useful and practical for people, which is just kind of why we stood, stood firm in the five. Um, so I'll probably pause there. I don't think I've covered everything, but I wanted to touch on that because that's the direction that, that Tony and his team got from us. Adam, I'd like to add my 10 cents. This is Heidi Briery. I'm the Director of Transportation at the Senior Resource Center. And I have a kind of unique view for everybody. I don't live in Lawrence, I live in Eudora, so I do commute every day. I don't have the luxury of being able to catch the bus to work. And there are days I'd really like it because I just don't want to drive, even though that's what we do at work all day. I've watched the current hub and how people move. I've watched everyday users of the parking lots uh, between 8th and 9th, as well as the users of the parking garage. The scariest thing to me about what we have going on are the way people cross the street in the middle, don't pay attention, they don't use the sidewalks, and they have their kids in tow. Losing parking space is hard. I grew up, my parents were business people and parking was the thing you had to have. But we have a parking garage that is not full. And I know it's really cool to be able to park right behind your business, zip in, zip out if that's what you got to do. But the parking garage is half a block away. For the able-bodied, Heidi, I think you went on mute. Bigger challenge, I think, is our ADA spots and being able to access that stuff for the people that need those. I am challenged when I have customers that want to go to Weavers, when they want to go to Marks. Um, Marks is easy. They've got the parking lot back there. I can drop them off at the back door. Weavers is a bigger challenge. We typically need to get off at the corner or get out in the front of the store. Um, 
ideally having buses for those of us that are drivers are never a cool thing. But I do like being able to drop my car at the shop on the south side of town and grab the bus on that side of town and get to downtown without changing a bus. And I did it in the exact same amount of time it would have taken me to have a friend pick me up and take me across town. So time-wise, you're not losing anything there. I think the Vermont Street number 1A is probably the best option. Do we need all five slots? Maybe, maybe not. That's something that Adam can do with the numbers and that as he collects data there. I totally understand the businesses that want those spaces to be there. Um, 58 parking places is a lot, but I think it would prove better for them and they might even see a little bit of an increase in clientele because more people will be getting out and looking at their business as they get off the bus. That's where my curiosity is, is how is that impact going to improve your business? Thanks. I just want to note, I know we got a comment in the chat from, um, sorry if I pronounce this, uh, Fadila or Fadila. Um, see that comment? Uh, happy if you'd like to speak to it, but certainly no pressure to do so. We can, uh, we can record the written comment. Adam, before we run out of time, uh, this is Steve Scannell. Uh, would it be possible to go back to the uh, 15th Street bus station options? And uh, could I ask Tony to just kind of quickly recap what the traffic flow is proposed to be as far as how buses get to it? Are they coming northbound on Crestline, southbound from the intersection and then turning across the northbound traffic, et cetera, et cetera? Because I assume it's a traffic flow from west to east in all cases, but uh, it's a little unclear without path of travel arrows and that kind of thing. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, this layout is such where buses can come in Crestline, they can actually go around this island, and they can go back out left or right on Crestline. Uh, if we had access out onto Bob Billings, it would only be a right-hand turn for uh, buses. We are looking at an option that would open the median and potentially move this parking lot over and put the multimodal facility in between the island and the parking and share the parking with the uh, university and this facility. And this back road goes away uh, just because of sheer cost. But generally speaking, these are all clockwise operations around this pad. And uh, if you had to, all the buses could go in and out on uh, Crestline. But we, we think that when the routing study is done, Adam will probably have a need to, um, or for efficiency's sake, um, be allowing this type of a movement out onto Bob Billings, right turn only when there's gaps in traffic. And that would not be uncommon um, for design. I don't 
also add to that, Steve, that we do expect a lot. I mean, the, the route redesign study is still in progress, but we do expect, like you mentioned, a lot of the buses coming to and from the site to be doing that from eastbound or westbound about billings. Um, there's not an expectation for a lot of new bus traffic north and south along Crestline to and from this site. So you probably would have a lot of that movement of a southbound bus on Crestline taking a left into the facility, crossing northbound traffic headed up to the intersection. I think that's a, a likely scenario that our, our traffic study will help us understand a little better. Thanks, Adam. Uh, that makes perfect sense. Uh, this is Steve Scannell. Um, the The concern that I have there, and the thing I'd, it would be interesting to see and uh, kind of explore a bit more is, uh, when there are e events at the lead center or at the Dole Institute, uh, there's a lot of uh, traffic outflow from there and there'd be a lot of stacking traffic at the intersection here. I, I don't know if during big events, they, they bring uh, campus or Lawrence police in to help kind of move traffic as needed, but I'm wondering how many vehicles would stack that are northbound uh, at the intersection of 15th and Crestline before they would block buses turning in. And if a southbound bus was trying to turn east into the bus station, how does that get managed if there's traffic backed up the hill and, and there isn't someone there to actually do physical manual traffic control at that, that crossover? I realize that wouldn't happen a lot, but but it does it probably will happen some and so then the question is how's it get managed because then if you have traffic backed up behind buses waiting to turn across traffic and at 15th and Crestline it could become a real hazard so that's that's one one concern thanks we'll add a, a brief comment on that just that we've had you know we're, we're working very closely with the university on this and did have that discussion about events up there. Um, this doesn't solve the whole problem, but one thing we talked about was that largely those events are going to be uh, over after our, um, most of our service or all of our services done for the day. Um, so we, we could be helped just by the, the timing of some of those events, uh, certainly not all of them, but um, that's one piece of the puzzle we've at least briefly talked about. Yeah, I, I realize most of the lead events are at 7.30 at night. Um, there are a lot of matinees, though, and there are also a lot of school functions, I think, and other things. And so I'm guessing there's bus traffic or bus um, buses are traveling during that time. Um, but um, I, I do hope you guys will really take a close look at that. Um, uh, another thought is just knowing the grades of the hill as you go down uh from the south to the north on Crestline, wondering how you're going to manage that with the layout that you've, the layouts you have shown. Um, and then ask Tony, if you go, just kind of go through the other options. I don't know if, if this is the one you've really settled on uh, or uh, if the other options are still in play and kind of, I think you said in all cases, buses would come in off of Crestline, circulate either back to Crestline or right turn only onto 15th. Uh, just kind of clarify all that. 
Yeah, I think in all of our options, we are looking at um, the, just the right turn only on Bob Billings. Um, as far as uh, the site, you know, we I don't have a contour map here to put up there, but we our civil engineers, which is HG Consult, um, we chose to use a local civil engineer from Kansas City area that also has uh, staff living in Lawrence um, that are familiar with this site. Um, and so, as you can imagine, a lot of activity has gone on around how do we handle these contours. Um, actually, you know, we still are in a state of flux as far as a preferred design, but I think one principle that uh, keeps percolating to the top is that the closer we can stay to this corner, still meet the, uh, you know, water needs for the site and stay in these lower contours, um, the least cost. Uh, for the project in this location. Um, but one way or another, there's going to be a cut and fill operation, probably going to be a retaining wall of some kind on this side of the project. But we're trying to, we're trying to stay out of the hillside as much as possible. Um, again, this is the site that we're given. We have tried to, as an initial principle, stay away from taking down any of these uh, buildings. This building is not used very much. The university, um, doesn't have a problem uh, looking at some impacts on this. This facility over here, however, is a ceramic studio. And so it would be very doubtful that we'd ever get anywhere near that. So it might be, you know, maybe part of this facility could go. Um, but again, we're, we're all in preliminary design and weighing the pros and cons and the costs of this. And so we're doing some, you know, some, some work on this, but these basic layouts aren't going to change a lot. And this option three um, is, um, yeah, I guess I, I can't say that there's a preferred option right now. I don't think we're at that yet. What was option one? Option one, um, we think is going to be too, probably going to be too costly just because it, by putting this lot here between uh, Bob Billings and the site and putting the facility here, this does create actually a nice uh, visually appealing. And again, we wouldn't even say that these canopies can't be visually appealing uh, in the design, but by putting the facility here and the parking here, we push farther into the hillside. So our cut and fill operations are even more intense. Um, so uh, we think just as a guiding principle going forward, we're probably going to have to push up towards the corner more. Okay. Uh, a couple more comments, if I may. Um, sure. Go back to option two. Um, I agree that that one, just uh, as a concept, uh, looks probably the most appealing. Uh, one thing I like about it is with the bioswale uh, at the intersection, it gives you an opportunity for a landscape feature. Uh, not like a retention pond like you might see behind a Walmart, but, you know, a nice, uh, you know, um, uh, landscaped bioswale, bio biodrainage area. Um, and um, uh, I think that's a good thing. Moving the multimodal facility to uh, somewhere, yeah, in that green space uh, or even to the west of that between the bioswale and the other might make some sense um, uh, so that it, it has a presence on the street. Um, 
I think it would be helped by uh, demolishing the west half of that metal building uh, that KU owns along 15th Street. Um, I, I think if you asked almost anybody, they'd say that none of those buildings that used to be student housing uh, warehouse facilities are aesthetically adding to the environment uh, in, in a positive way. So, uh, and and the ceramics studio is a recent remodel, so it's it's good to keep that. And and I suspect that if they're given given their way, they'll reclad that buildings with uh, ceramics over time, um, which would uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt, and uh, uh, would also give them uh, some goals, I guess. Uh, but but if you did take down the west half of the uh, metal building there, uh, that would give you the opportunity to reintroduce some green space, move that parking and the access to it somehow. Um, uh, the questions of the crossover with the acceleration lane and all that, but uh, um, I think I think those would be beneficial. It'd be good to see a study of how that might look, and, yeah. and particularly if you get rid of the drive behind the building. It'd be nice before this gets too far along to see some updated drawings showing how all that might fit together, and uh, and you know particularly if KU agrees to take down the west half of the the, the uh, storage facility there. Well, I think so, what I okay. thanks. I think Go what ahead. I can I think what I can uh, say safely is that um, as we've you know looked at these different options where the buses, we just feel like as designers that it would be not uh, prudent to have a single access point for here. Um, and so that's why you see this type of design, trying not to impact Bob Billings, trying to get you know auto traffic in for drop-off pickup, um, for Greyhound, the commuter shuttle and so forth. And then as we move through these options, now we can't, we really want to prevent vehicle and bus uh, co-mingling on a site like this. But I think what we've learned from our first uh, few meetings with the university is this is just not logical. And when we start looking at the costs, this is just not palatable cost-wise having this drive. So we've now moved to what can we do if we impact this building, which one of the guiding principles in the beginning was to try not to. Um, and so we are looking at some other options, as I said, to possibly open this median up for car traffic and keep that car and bus traffic um, separated still. It's uh, debatable whether we truly need a true acceleration lane because um, if you were to design an acceleration lane, I'm not a traffic engineer, but um, you generally would have a, up to get up to speed distance and it probably would be much longer than this. Um, and it would not be unusual for bus movements to come in and at this angle have a merge that would be completely safe. Um, despite what people might think about the traffic flow on Bob Billings, uh, bus operations pull in and out of traffic all day long. That's what they do. They pull over to bus stops and they pull back into traffic. So um, I wouldn't consider that to be unsafe. And so um, I think you're hitting on a lot of, of good things. And yes, I, uh, we are looking at some, some revisions um, 
to one of these options to address some of the comments that you made. Tony, just so you know, Steve has a great understanding of architecture more than most people. Yeah, well, this is gonna be a beautiful facility um, and the opportunity to put it on Bob Billings, whether it be here between the bioswale or here in the green space, I think uh, is good. I think the unfortunate part is, is that I don't know for sure if we would wanna have the facility over here just because fundamentally um, we wanna be able to have safe access both from the island to the facility and from the facility to pick up and drop off, that type of thing. So I think uh, some of those safety principles might uh, push us to this area. So Tony, just full disclosure, um, since uh, Gary alluded to it, uh, I, uh, for 23 years, I was a senior architect for a KU facilities planning. I retired as part of the uh, VSIP uh, uh, early retirement thing, uh, January 1. So now I have lots of time to spend on things like this. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. I, I, I couldn't tell at all that you had an architectural background. Yeah, um, but I do think uh, it, actually that acceleration lane that you have shown there, if you at the east end of that had a drive lane that came into your parking, move the parking to the east, put the building between the parking and the other, yeah. Uh, you know, basically where the, the west half of that metal building is now. Yep. Uh, get rid of the drive behind, keep the trees that are behind. And, you know, I think all that would actually work quite well together. So uh, I, I look forward to seeing that or a similar option in the future. I agree. And I was being facetious about the architect comment. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Okay, thanks. Great. I think our time is done for this meeting, so I'll let Adam... Yeah, so I do want to thank everyone who made comments and joined us. I know in the middle of the workday, it's not always easy to make that time. Um, so we'll we'll take all this information. Um, I'll, I will do a last call if we are at time, but if folks have anything they uh, definitely want to get in, go ahead and unmute and let us know. Uh, I also put my uh, email address in the chat, as well as the link to our project web page, where we'll put up uh, as we're uh, pushing all the information related to the project and if there's upcoming public engagement opportunities, everything you'll need will be there. So um, with that, I'll, I'll pause here for a few seconds, see if we have any um, last minute commenters. All right, so with that, um, thank you everyone. Um, really good discussion today and we'll keep you all updated as we move forward. All right, thank you.